1: Start and end your day with the good news, the
0: good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin and friends with the good
2: news love it that we changed the name years ago to Angie Gostin and Friends because so many of my wonderful Christian friends helped me out with this show and uh, help bring some energy and new ideas and thrilled that we have Leslie and Doug Gustafson uh, joining us regularly now. Hi guys. Hi Angie. How are you? Good morning. Good to see you. And what a score that, you know, one of my best friends from television uh, when I worked at Channel 2 was uh, Chris Parente and uh, uh, he, that he sent you, you my way he did and that he knew we we're both Christians yeah and he thought that we'd be a good match for each other that was, and that was like a couple of years back
3: that was probably three years ago yeah, yeah that was and then amazing. we were trying to do
2: Skype and then we lo- kind of lost yes. touch a little bit and then got yeah. back in touch and you yeah. guys when we when therapist Lisa got too busy I thought oh my goodness perfect you know perfect match made you know in heaven three years ago <laughs> you
4: know. agreed agreed. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. One of my
2: one of my other favorites at uh, Fox and Channel Two is uh, the Traffic Guy. He's one of my favorites, Ken um. Clark. Oh, Ken, yes, I was on Ken with Ken last week. And Ken, to me, was the prime, for me, it was the prime lesson in life about judging a book by its cover. Yes. When we were competitors, and I worked across town, and they started the morning show after we did. We'd been on a few years, and then they came on as competition. And uh, I really liked Peggy uh, and Crystal. That was a weather woman and the anchor Mm -hmm. woman, which, by the way, so later I ended up working with them when we merged, Mm -hmm. right? So I'm like, oh, they're pretty good, you know? And then I'm like, that Ken guy, what a doof. I'm like, he is such a dork,
4: yeah. you know, with his bald head. What a goofy
2: guy. Met him and absolutely he's, have to say he might be my top favorite person I've ever I worked love with on air, air in my entire life. Yeah,
4: he's, great. He's, so he's so kind. He's so genuine. Kind. He's so
2: real. He's so what you see is what you get. I mean, I think he is one of the one of the best people I've ever worked with. We still talk like a couple times a month. Yes, just chit chat. And and he was the co host last week, and yeah. I got
3: to be with him and just spent some time just talking with him. And you're exactly right. A wonderful considerate. person, considerate. That's kind of how I feel so, about
2: Tom Green.
0: Tom Green kind of has this uh, this weirdness about him, but he's really good. But at the same yeah. time, he's like. What are you talking about, Tom Green? Is oh, like he, is he a nice? Like person? you
2: mean like a like a little bit aloof,
0: like yeah, above you? Yeah, he just you? seems so like I, out of nowhere sometimes, and you're just well, like, well, I super I weird. felt
2: when I worked with Tom that like my dad was on the set making sure I didn't have a party. You know what I mean? Like I always like if I got out a line, I felt like he was looking at me at the corner of his eye. Uh, he's probably one of the smartest men I've ever worked with in my mm. life. Um, he knows pretty much everything from the past like if you have a question or a name or something Mm. in history uh, he was extremely knowledgeable and uh, good at what you know what he did Uh, I I have a feeling he might show up at some other station but he said he kind of retired I guess yeah yeah. Yeah, so we'll see if that lasts but his wife I think also had moved on as well but as far as knowledgeable and good at what he does Tom was a 10 Mm. you know like warm and fuzzy probably not you know like he didn't he's very private like when he got married none of us were invited and I knew him for I don't know, I guess now it's probably seventeen years, isn't it? Oh. We worked together eleven, side by side, elbows could touch. You know, and so Hmm, you know, but some people do. You know, they they want a private life, and they don't. That doesn't mean they don't like you or they don't like working with you. But just want separate. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. So when he got Mm -hmm. married, he didn't even tell us. I knew because one of my uh, friends was going to be performing at the wedding, so I knew for like a year. But I never said anything because I didn't want to invade his privacy and be like, I I know you're getting married. (laughs) Where's my invitation? (laughs) He doesn't even know what I did for him. I had laid in stone a year in advance, asked off for my um, for my uh, family reunion. And so they came to me and said, you know, Tom really needs that vacation time. Would you uh, be willing to? And had I not already known he was getting married, it would have been difficult for me to give up part of my family reunion. So I only went for like three days instead of like eight or nine um, so that I could give him that time. But I think sometimes like we do things with, I never said anything to him. We do things um, because we want God to know we're doing the right thing and that the person may never know we did that for them. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. 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 Right. So anyway. All right. So we want to talk in a minute about how to ruin your relationship with your teens because (laughs) you both deal with teens and relationships and families uh, in therapy. Uh, But I wanted to start with a good news story that is not going to sound like good news. But a lot of these stories don't start off as good news and then they really get to the human spirit. Um, And this dad, uh, he lost his daughter in a drowning and he's biking across the U.S., to meet the man who received his daughter's heart.
1: Here's the story. Bill Connor is nearing the end of a 2,600 mile trek on a bike. It started in Madison, Wisconsin in May and is about to end in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The photo on the back of his bike is his daughter Abigail, who drowned during a family vacation in Mexico. She was only 20 years old. Her heart was transplanted into the chest of 20-year-old Lamont Jack Jr., who was suffering from fatal heart disease and he was waiting for Bill at the finish line. Congratulations, Matt. You made it. A tearful embrace followed He's the
5: perfect recipient for my daughter's heart. Uh, I wouldn't want it any place else.
1: The two men spoke at a press conference at Broward Health Medical Center after the bike ride ended and Lamoth was so overcome with emotion he couldn't even finish his sentence. I had eight days to live. And if
4: it wasn't for Abigail.
1: He showed us his surgical scar, still visible. His parents are very grateful. It's really sad that she had to lose her life for my son to live. Bill has a new name for Lamont. He calls him Abby Jack, a combination of his daughter's first name and Lamont's last name.
5: I see uh, a new family member. I see a good kid.
1: There was one thing left to do. Bill wanted to hear his daughter's heart beating in Lamont's chest.
5: She's working.
1: Another tearful moment. <sighs> Two men bound together by a tragedy that offered the gift of life.
2: Wow. Oh, that
1: just brought tears to my eyes. That's just
3: too much.
2: <laughs> That's heavy, huh? Pretty exciting. Yes. About the ultimate gift to give oh. someone. Oh, you know, yeah. and what? Where would her heart be now? It'd be like, we wouldn't be doing anything.
3: Yeah. Oh. No,
4: it's amazing. But just the
3: openness and the the gratitude and his willingness to embrace the recipient. And then to listen to her heart. Oh, my goodness. And That's, the recipient's
2: family, you know how grateful yes, they are.
3: Yes.
2: Yes. Pretty wow. special. Really special. Well, you guys, you have a um, a young, you have a son. We right? have a 17-year-old. Because, we have a 35-year-old. Wow. Yes. So... Um, I've heard Doug talk about at dinner sometimes he feels like you and your son aren't there because you're on your devices sometimes. (laughs) Now, now. (laughs) This isn't about us, Angie. So in terms of of relationships with teens, I found this advice really interesting. And I wanted to go, uh, you know, through some of these tips. And it's from community.today.com. And uh, it's how to ruin your relationship with your teen, which, of course, we're trying not to do. So uh, we'll go through that. I'm already seeing in my 12-year-old son, like, that emotion. You know, he was upset about something the other day. And my husband does pretty harsh punishment in terms of he doesn't back out. We were at this big... gala kind of thing for his swim meet. Um, it was the awards banquet kind of thing by the pool. And um, he saw my son throwing ice with some of the boys in his age group. And one of the chunks of ice, just ice cubes, I guess, almost hit a lady in her family. And my husband called him over and he said, uh, I know that they threw ice at you first. He said, however, I think you used really bad judgment by retaliating. And you almost hit that woman in the head with a you know an ice cube. Um, and so he said, we, we're leaving. And so he would not let him swim, and my son, my son was sobbing, and in the car just had like a breakdown, just sobbing. And uh, he said, I know I wasn't using good judgment, you know, I'm really sorry. And my husband said, sometimes you have to do something that they'll remember um, so that they, you know, I think a lot of parents make these false threats and want to be best friends, and we're going to leave if you, blah, 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 and then, oh, never mind. Now, um... I probably would have allowed him to express some remorse and then maybe let him stay and give him a different punishment but uh, my husband had already made up his mind and so when he turned to me I'm like there's nothing I can do for you we're on the same page I can't you know back out of dad's punishments and I think back to when my daughter had lied to me about a cheese stick I call it like the cheese stick of 2013 (laughs) and uh, we were at Lakeside and I said you have to eat something good before you eat a funnel cake And um, she told me she'd eaten her cheese stick. So I walked over to the trash and like floating like an angel on top of the trash was the cheese stick right there on top. And (laughs) so I said, you can't go on any more rides. And she remembered it. And it was like, it wasn't the whole day by any means, but it was like another hour or two. And uh, she remembered it. But I did give her several chances. I said... If you're lying to me, you Mm -hmm. will not be able to go on any more rides. I don't just, like, throw out a punishment without some forewarning, and I give them several chances. Now, I'm going to walk over there, and if I find it in the trash and you're lying to me, you will not be able to go on any more rides. So I probably gave her, in that case, three or four shots. I even looked in there and gave her a chance, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, she, she wasn't backing down. And so... I I said, I highly doubt that someone else had the exact same kind of cheese stick that just landed on top of the trash, you know. So anyway, um, and then you wonder, like, am I being too harsh? But I see too many parents that make idle threats and then their kids run the show. And so, um, in my son's case, I, I see those emotions starting to be a little more, um, teenager-ish, mm-hmm. like really, he said, my head, head was like a tornado and I couldn't even think. So he was really yelling, you know, and crying and would not there at the event mm-hmm. later and mm-hmm. then with me the next day too. Right. So, um so I'm getting ready for the teen years so this is how to ruin your relationship with your teens and I think number one is so good um, not listening it says uh, years ago I heard invaluable advice the article says once your child reaches the age of 13 or 14 they know your opinion on pretty much everything <laughs> under the sun and your job from now on is to uh, kind of clam up and listen What do you guys think?
3: Well, I think what I see uh, through those tween years is there is a major shift that happens and needs to happen between parent and child. And the parents have to be able to shift more and more out of that authoritative parental role and join more collaboratively with their child you know, burgeoning teen. I, I think that's perfect. Yeah, they probably have heard every last, you know, piece of advice or mini lecture about moral behavior. But then it becomes, can you have a real relationship with your child that's collaborative where you listen to them and are getting to know them in a new way because they are changing.
2: Yeah, I like that. And
3: you have tremendous impact by helping them learn how to think critically, sharing your own stories, but they need to be heard so that you're noticing and seeing them become their own person, mm-hmm. and so listening absolutely, lecturing less, yes, because you don't have the power if you don't have a relationship.
6: Mm-hmm.
3: You can set all sorts of consequences and all sorts of you know uh, tell them what to do, but if that relationship's not there with them, you're not going to have you're not going to have a way with them. They're not going to hear.
2: You know, um, before I left uh, today, they uh, the kids were having. Um an argument over trophies because, you know, we're moving and they're not anyone in, a dro- they're my, my husband's old trophies from grade school and junior high and uh, my my, my uh, brother-in-law's. So it's like bowling and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but they like to have them in their room. So as they were arguing about them, I said, well, let's just sit them right here on the counter and we'll handle this later. So my son came back and he goes, he said, they're, they're mine. You know, they were given to me. I said, I know that, but I have to go to work and you guys are screaming and arguing in the bathroom and I don't have time to scream and argue with you or, you know, whatever you're doing here. So, you're going to get them later, but right now I just am setting them aside. Mm -hmm. And then when I come home, you can have them back. You know, but right now to give them right to you in front of your sister while she's sobbing and screaming you know, isn't really a good way for this to work out. I said, but I do want to show you something on the trophy that I think is really important. And it was my husband's first place for basketball. And it was in seventh grade out of his whole school. He was the best basketball player. He's 6'6". Six, six. <laughs> and I said, um, you remember how daddy said he tried out in eighth grade and the coaches picked like their sons and their sons' friends. And then they came to my husband later who never tried out again in junior high and high school because he was mad at the coaches. Mm. Um, came to him and said, wow, you're you know 6'6". Six, six. Why aren't you playing ball? I said, never Never let someone else's behavior or judgment of your skills or lack thereof adversely keep you from your dreams. Daddy quit playing basketball in seventh grade, and he's such a good athlete. Mm. And I said this first place trophy is something you should keep forever to remind you that someone stopped daddy's dreams. And then look Mm. what a great athlete he is as an adult and all the teams he plays on and, you know, how (coughs) um, what a career he could have had in some of these sports had he not let some, you know, plumber in eighth grade that wanted his son and his son's friends to be on the team, uh, you know, qu- squash his dreams. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I ended up kind of, you know, talking to him more after his sister left
4: the room, you mm-hmm. know, about that. So yeah. listening, that's yeah. a big one. Well, well, I think, I think too, you know, another way to say all of this, cause I don't think, know how much I can add to what Leslie was saying or what you were saying, but I do think that discipline, whether you can't be part of the swim meet Uh, Any of those kinds of things, whether that's a little bigger consequence or a smaller one, are embedded in a relationship. They're not uh, a sudden discontinuance of a relationship. So that that kind of discipline needs to be followed up with, let's sit down and talk about what happened. Oh, we have. Let's make sure our bond is still in place. Yeah. And then you really reinforce uh, your love, your care. Mm -hmm. But you say, Mm -hmm. I'm a dad with boundaries. Yeah. And that's how I love you.
2: Yeah. In part. Oh, we talk a lot about how, um, I'm not, it's not a popularity contest and it's very difficult to be a parent and that some of the, de- I said, look, <coughs> I want to have fun with you guys this summer, but, um, because I also had some punishments yesterday too, they're earning back. Uh, they, they had won eliches and a sleepover mm. through some of their swim, you know, they just qualified for state. And if they won, accomplished certain goals, then they, they won eliches with a friend and a sleepover with, the, with a friend. And, uh, yesterday, uh, th- they they lost those and, but with me it was and you can earn them back through good behavior so today while i'm at work they are k- finishing up packing up their rooms and vacuuming and so that will be the um end res- you know like when that's done then they've earned back those mm. things and so i said you know you lost them <laughs> through bad behavior and you can earn them back through good behavior and so i don't i I'm a little bit less like ironclad when it comes to this. So I know those are big things that they won, and I am going to allow them to w- earn them back, but I want it to be through the reading and the things they're supposed to do in the summer that have kind of fallen by the wayside during their two weeks with their grandparents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they I come like, back I like slightly that, different. I like that
4: <laughs> earning back because I think... I think we need to be families of restoration.
2: Yes, I like that. That that we
4: model that, that everything we do is, there's always a way back. You're never really pushed out of the circle. Mm -hmm. But there are things we do that create bonding and connection, and we all can can find ways to do that and strengthen our family. And I like the idea of restoration, I mean, obviously, biblically speaking, is what it's all about. We walk away from God all the time and need to find our way back. And He chastises us. We don't even always know what those things are, but we need to listen for that, because God wants us close. And we as parents want our kids close. And yeah. that's the message. Yeah, Let's get back to where we, let's get back to our zone. Let's get back to our love place as a family.
2: Well, he wants specifics. He wanted to know how much have I earned back by loading the back of the <laughs> truck. I said 30%. I said 30. <laughs> and then after he did something else, he goes, where am I now? I said 40. <laughs> okay. You're and moving I, and back. I said, mom's always, fa- am I always fair? And he said, yes. I said, you know, I'll be fair then you know that I will allow you to earn this back. I'm very fair. Well,
3: so. and that's great that he knows you he knows to unfair. be that. Yeah. That that he's in safe hands yes. with the person who's calling the shots. And, yeah.
4: and that he's not earning love back. Right, no, no, no. That's they the
3: they, critical they do know
2: that, that yeah. they yeah. don't have to earn the love back for sure. This one I think is so important, and I've kind of worked with my husband on this, especially when it comes to sports. So number one was you know to not ruin your relationship with your teen. Um, you need to listen, and then something that can really harm your relationship, criticizing excessively. Like like when he corrects him with uh, some kind of sport thing, um, I said, well, then you have to tell him the good stuff, too. He goes, well, the, uh, he already knows the good stuff. Like he doesn't need to work on that. He just needs to work on the things that we're um, giving them the criticism over. I said, no, he needs to hear all the good stuff. Absolutely. Like five times the bad stuff. That's mm-hmm.
3: right. That's actually the research. five to yeah. Oh, is it? <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. You need to get five affirmations to every teachable
2: okay. correction.
4: Well, she, well, so she, when she yells at me, I make her come back with five things.
2: (laughs) I love that. I love that. Also, for teens, do not grill them with questions.
3: It shuts them down. Does it really? Uh, uh, That's my experience with my teen. If there's too many questions, um, yeah, they feel interrogated.
2: Okay, here's one I think is so important. I think this is about husbands, too. Do not tell embarrassing stories or complain about them publicly or to your friends in front of them to another relative and make kind of make fun of them almost oh it,
3: yeah, th- that's kind of across the board relationally yeah. with
2: anybody yeah don't humiliate each other yeah
4: firm affirm affirm yeah
2: Uh, stereotyping their behaviors teenagers are all crazy selfish irresponsible lazy don't do that and also this one very important we're almost out of time but fighting the wrong battles I even said to faith if something about chocolate this morning she her brother allegedly stole her chocolate it was melted under his bed and stained the carpet and she knows because it was the wrapper she had so I thought maybe it was like a German chocolate no it's Hershey's I'm like I gave him that Hershey's and I said Faith, let's let this one go Let's right. let let's choose which battles to fight, and yes. this is one we're going to let go. Which mm-hmm. hill do you want to die on? Yeah, and I said, guess what? I'll get you all a Hershey's bar. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that! Look at how easy that was to yeah, solve. Yeah,
3: we don't want to be majoring in the minors all of the time. Yes, and all our time and energy and being yes. nitpicky parents. What are the big ticket things? Right, character. Yes, their character. Yes, mm-hmm. Not, I, they I, made a mistake. It's
2: funny because at home, my kids, if they lying will get them in trouble but if they've done something wrong and they tell the truth they really don't get in trouble if it's something that's not this ridiculous uh, for instance yesterday uh, my daughter got out flour and she was making some slimy thing or whatever and I said well the flowers out and I see flour on the measuring cup did you do it she said no I go then who did? I said, you're not in trouble. <laughs> right. I know, I know. I Me, mean, please. Right. And all the other My imaginary friend. <laughs> all right. How do people find you, Leslie and Doug?
3: We're at authenticandtrue.com. Lots of free resources, and you can connect with us, of course, everywhere in social media.
2: Excellent. We'll be right back, and Leslie and Doug will be back tomorrow. You got it.
4: Thank you. Good news of Jesus for you in high-definition radio and streaming at 670KLTT.com. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver.
0: Hey, this is producer Dave with the good news. You know, Angie's always talking about how much she loves YMC of the Rockies. But I don't ever get to talk about how much I love YMCA the Rockies. YMCA the Rockies in Estes Park is located just between Estes and Rocky Mountain National Park. It is the best place. I grew up going there. I went to summer camp when I was a kid. I actually went through the leadership program, I was a camp counselor at YMCA. It is one of the best things. It shaped who I am today. It is really the ideal vacation for everyone. You can do a vacation there. You can have a reunion there. They have weddings. If you wanna take your coworkers there, they have conferences. It is the most affordable thing. You don't have to leave the state to go on a really good vacation. If you just wanna hang out, you can do that. Or if you wanna go on an epic adventure through the mountains, you can also do that. At YMCA The Rockies, they put Christian principles into practice through programs, staff, and facilities in an environment that builds healthy spirit, mind, and body for everyone. It is so affordable. Go to ymcarockies.org for all the information you'll need. For
6: over 120 years, the Denver Rescue Mission has been providing services to those in need and the homeless in the metro area. It is the oldest full-service Christian charity in the Rocky Mountain region. Since its conception in 1892, it has expanded to helping the homeless and hungry to provide services for men and single mothers, offering programs such as rehabilitation for those suffering from addiction and abuse, education and career centers, family services, and life restoration. The Denver Rescue Mission is always in need of your assistance. You can help this growing organization by donating clothing, food, furniture, and more at any of the drop-off locations. For more information on their services, ways you can help, and to donate online, go to DenverRescueMission.org. DenverRescueMission.org. Changing lives in the name of Christ.
2: Welcome back to the good news. Angie Austin here, Donna Hetzler, author and speaker still with me. And we are thrilled that we have Dana and Tom Yoy joining us. And you you two have quite a story. I just watched the trailer from the movie that was based on your story and your daughter's story, right? And your blog, correct, Dana? So welcome to both of you. And uh, so you've been in this together, this whole journey. Mm -hmm. And I think what really struck me having three kids in elementary school right now was they're in that stage at the beginning of the trailer of the movie. Mm -hmm. And um, they're in that stage where everything's pink and butterflies. And, you know, my daughter likes to, you know, every like in the Trolls movie, the watch goes off and she wants to sing and dance and hug like hourly. (laughs) Like she's in that stage. And that's how the trailer started. And then things became more difficult. Yeah. so talk a little bit about give us a synopsis of your story and then I want to get into the whole healing part of it and how you have a message of hope now for parents who are dealing with difficult situations with their children so Dana we'll start with you because it you started the blog correct yes
7: yes well um, had a lot of hopes and dreams for our daughter hmm thought that there was this formula for parenting do enough of this and that and you'll get what you want right And uh, Renee was always a challenging child, but um, had a lot of beautiful qualities. But she definitely kept us on our toes, on my knees, I should say. (laughs) Um, But uh, we saw the first signs of trouble when she was 12. And she cut herself for the first time. I really thought it was just another temper tantrum, just (laughs) looked differently. Uh, She'd had a lot of those, and she had been in trouble that day for something, caught her doing and, and so you thought maybe she was trying to get attention
2: by doing this i i, I was totally at a loss for any explanation this was i mean you know, and when we were kids i didn't ever hear about anyone cutting did no you? i didn't dave either. you're younger than we are is that something you heard about as a kid yeah in high school okay. the, all the girls
0: like to do it uh, i i felt like a lot of it was for attention but there were some girls that really needed some
5: some help
0: and what that's is, what
2: you were thinking. Dan. Tom, did you know what this cutting thing?
5: No, I'd never seen or heard of it before. So it was so foreign. We didn't know how to process that.
2: This was 18 years ago. Okay.
7: And it was not popular at the time. Renee said she never had heard of it before. Really? Knew No one who did it. Wow. Just the thought came to her from nowhere. And later I said, I know where that came mm-hmm. from. It wasn't from God. Right. Um, so yes, when I walked back in her room after I gave her some time to just settle down, And saw that both of her arms were just. She looked like she'd been in a fight with a cat, and the cat won. That kind of scratching. Um, Oh yeah, it was like the wind was just knocked out of me. I bet couldn't understand. Just
2: like you were seeing evil. You know what I mean? Like not her. I mean something coming into your lives that you couldn't quite understand. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, your daughter's got like bleeding scratches on her arms. Mm -hmm. That's scary.
7: And um, I'm very ashamed of the fact that I was too embarrassed and proud to get help. Mm. I didn't want to believe, I was still in denial, no, this can't mean anything's really wrong. She's just, she just wow. had this fit and, and it'll go away and then I threatened her sadly uh, that this is not good, you don't do this, is it wrong? If you ever do this again, you'll have to see a counselor. Like that was some terrible punishment. I have asked her to forgive me for that, which she has. And that's the one thing that we wish we'd done differently and that she also wishes we had. Although she acknowledges, I don't know, Mom, if I would have actually talked to a counselor at that time. But having the opportunity would have been
2: great. So you were saying to other parents or someone listening right now, don't let your pride keep you from reaching out for help yes. early. Yes. Yes, yes absolutely.
6: Yes. And my sister was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia in her early twenties. And my parents took five years. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just denial. Like this can't be, you know, and my Sca- sister they're scared. They're scared. They're they're thinking this think can't you be admitted, happening. You think
2: if you put a if you say we need help, you're admitting that there might that really be a problem. a problem. That's
6: so true. It's so, like an admission. Yes. Yes. And then they've got to actually deal with this situation right. of, you know, oh, now what do I do with this? Yeah. Not My knowing. brother was a paranoid schizophrenic That's right. as yes. well.
2: But with us, there was no denying it. The episode mm. when he was a teenager was so extreme that the police were called. Mm. He was going down the street with, uh, I believe, no pants on with a fake gun, which in this day and age will get you shot. But in our little small town, it was a musket Mm -hmm. from Disney World and uh, he was immediately put into uh, a lockdown facility. Mm -hmm. That's how quickly it happened in our family and there was no Mm -hmm. denying help because the police were called. Mm So, you don't get her help at that point in time. Mm-hmm. She's just 12, and mm-hmm. that's even though she'd been strong willed, let's say, prior to mm-hmm. that, and maybe some issues, this was the first sign that maybe there was going to be some trouble ahead. Right, right.
7: And it didn't happen again for a number of years. We had the often typical tumultuous middle school years. Yeah. And she, one of the big red flags looking back that were happening. Uh, was that she had a lot of difficulty establishing and keeping close relationships. That
2: was a real problem for her. And And was it your only child? Is she your only child? Middle. Middle. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) Okay. No, I'm a middle, too. Okay. Um, so, and Tom, uh, did mm-hmm. you sense that there was something wrong, or is this something that you were kind of letting Dana take the lead on, or were you uh, highly involved in what was going on as well at the time? Well,
5: we were both in the bedroom at the same time when we found her, and, again, we were both mystified of what this was, and so we didn't do anything, uh, but then it began to surface, uh, actually, later.
2: She was doing more cutting?
5: It came It came out in her uh, late high school years that she started cutting again and became suicidal Mm. and told us and we were living overseas at the time and we knew we had to come back to the states we couldn't get the kind of help which she needed uh, overseas.
2: And Dana, give your um, your your blog website so people mm. who also are dealing with kids or feeling a sense of hopelessness can find that hope and uh, that Christian loving family, uh, uh, parent uh, kind of community. Uh, that's what I sensed, by the way, yes. when I went to your yes. blog site, mm-hmm. um, a lot of talk of prayer, but also I thought, boy, if my kids were in a situation like this, I would really feel some camaraderie or community support on your website. Mm.
7: Yes, we try to provide a lot of resources there in in addition to the blog. So it's HopeForHurtingParents.com.
2: HopeForHurtingParents dot com,
6: and I see and a blog here when your when Mother's Day when Mother's Day hurts, mm-hmm. um, when your child breaks your heart, there's and, no and break p- on the holidays. Yeah, no br- mm-hmm. and, and also just the, the praying together right. for your kids. Yes, I love this. So I'm this- going to send it to my mom. Oh, so,
2: th- and this story and ended up becoming a movie, Your Family Story, and your story <laughs> of Crazy. Renee. So the middle school years, those are difficult, but then things get worse in high school. Yes. Mm-hmm. What happens in high school?
5: Well again she told us that she was very depressed and suicidal. So That's we came a back scary to the thing, thing to hear because oh. when
2: my daughter who's uh. 9 says I feel weird again. Mm. I like my eyes get all big. Like, what do you mean you feel weird? What's weird mean? What do you mean weird? What's weird? What why do you feel weird? You know like <laughs> so she s- outright says I feel depressed I'm suicidal. Yes. That's yes. terrifying.
5: Yes. And you know you don't want to leave their side. You're no. afraid every moment, mm-hmm. you know, is this the moment that they're alone and they're going to do something. Uh we were just panic-stricken Now and, uh, she
7: had been pushing back a lot at rules and boundaries and in trouble a lot more and more and we did know she was experimenting with alcohol and drugs not knowing that there were mental health issues going on the sensory processing disorder where she was overly sensitive to all external stimulus we didn't know all of these factors were happening and that that was why she was doing these things. We just thought she's being rebellious and
2: difficult, but there and was it, more. And I wonder when a kid feels different like that. I now feel that one. Both of my brothers had mental health issue. Two two of my three brothers, mm-hmm. and I feel that's why they started the drugs, like self medicating themselves <laughs> to feel right. better or normal or different or to try to get out of their own skin because of whatever was going on in their brains. And so in her case, she was experimenting with these things, maybe hoping the depression or uh, You know, the suicidal feelings would go away if she tried these other, you know, drugs.
7: Mm -hmm. And she thought it was normal. She told us later, she thought everybody felt that way, which was one reason she never talked to us about it. She just thought, I just have to, they can't help me. I have to learn how to deal with this on my own. And it just broke our hearts. Why didn't you talk to us? We would have tried to get you some help. But that's what they often do. They hide
2: it. They hide it. They hide it very well. And so your teenage girl uh, years, you're scared. She says she's depressed and suicidal. She's experimenting with drugs and alcohol, which you were kind of maybe a little aware of. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then what?
5: Well, we come back to the States and uh, got her to counseling. And she did well immediately for the first several months. And then when she went into her senior year, uh, well, actually her junior year, um, always gotten good grades. It never affected her grades. She was, She did soccer, played soccer, made the varsity soccer team early. Uh But one evening she came home and she said, I met a, another athlete who played softball. She would like for me to spend the night. And uh, we called the parents, got to know who they were a little bit, and then we said, this sounds pretty safe. So we let her go. Well, what they didn't tell us was they moved away from their previous town to get away from a toxic boyfriend. That boyfriend drove over in the middle of the night, and the two girls snuck out.
1: Mm.
5: They got drunk. Uh, Renee passed out, and she... Believes she was, well, she was sexually abused uh, during that time. Uh, not sure if it was actually a rape. Uh, that came out later. But um, she didn't know how to tell us. She, she told her because brother. she
2: felt guilty that she'd snuck horrible. out and it happened. Yeah, yeah. She mm-hmm.
7: felt horrible. And from that time on, she began to spiral downward. Yeah. That was her, like the the piece that solidified, yes, I'm bad I'm not worth this. I hate myself. And without ever telling us. She internalized it and blamed
2: herself Mm -hmm. somehow that because she'd gone out, she brought it upon herself, which of course Mm -hmm. wasn't true. Right. So she tells her brother. Mm -hmm.
5: Yes. She tells her brother so he could tell us. Mm -hmm. And then when he did, we brought her into the room and talked to her and and asked her what happened and what have you. We called the police. Uh, We called the parents. We tried to push this down the road, but unfortunately it didn't. Didn't go far at all.
7: At that point, we didn't. She hadn't fully told us, or maybe even remembered yet, that she'd been raped. Just that he tried to do something, and that, of course, was traumatic enough. By the time that the real truth came out later, she we didn't know, and she never got the help that she needed, Mm -hmm. and that did affect her for years to come. Yeah.
2: So then that's that's she's in high school then, Mm -hmm. and then things get worse. Yes. Drugs and alcohol-wise, depression-wise, mm-hmm. everything? Everything. Yes.
7: Mm-hmm. And when we um, got her the professional help, um, naively, we thought, we're good now. Mm-hmm.
2: Should be fixed. Right, fix? right, All right. Have- right. Yeah. You almost feel like you have Just a partner <laughs> to help you. Like, oh, thank goodness I have someone that can solve this now for me. It's going to be mm-hmm. fine now. Mm-hmm. Really, it really Was faith part that. of something that, that, this, that helped you g- get through this? Oh, yes. A huge part.
7: It was what held us together. Um, individually and as well as with our marriage because that's very stressful, a lot of Mm. tension. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Looking to God, His strength and help. Yeah. Kept me sane. When did you start the blog? After? Much after because I was still very much trying to hide this, not wanting hardly anyone to know because, again, especially in the Christian community, we don't want people to think badly of us if they find out something like this is going on in your home. What are you doing? What are you really doing? And, you know, doing?
2: we we want to think that's not true, but I don't but know we, if I've mentioned this to you, Dave. I think I have to you, um, that a friend of mine who was really deeply ensconced in leadership at a very mm-hmm. big church uh, talked about uh, depression um, on her Facebook page, uh, there'd been a well-known star who'd committed suicide, and she said, "I just want you to know that I've struggled with depression through much of my adult life, and here's how I deal with it." And the church actually pulled her in and said, "You're in leadership; you really shouldn't, you know, be dealing with these issues or talking about oh, this geez, on Facebook in so this day hell. and age." Oh, so you know, it, we can, we can say, "Oh no, you don't." I, Dana, I'm sure it wouldn't have been like that, but mm-hmm. uh, surprisingly, in some cases, it is, and some Christians even say, "If your faith was." Strong enough, oh, you yes. wouldn't have to take mm-hmm. antidepressants. Just pray if more. your faith was, yeah, if you mm-hmm. prayed more, mm-hmm. then you wouldn't be depressed. And I, I don't know that we say that to people who have cancer. If you prayed more, mm-hmm. you don't need the chemo. God will heal you. I'm not mm-hmm. saying God can't heal you, mm-hmm. but if the Lord has given us doctors and treatment for things, then why can't mm-hmm. it be used for mental health issues as well? Exactly. Right. Yes.
6: And one of the things I love when you guys first sat down is that you said immediately you apologized to your daughter, and. Yeah. You know, I thought that too. We, Angie yeah. and I were just talking about, you know, our parents and things that we wish we could redo, or I'm sure they wish they could redo. And one of the things our parents hadn't done was apologize for not recognizing things sooner. So it just shows us not for the apology, but that you guys are in this for the long haul with mm-hmm. her. You love her. Mm-hmm. And that just shows me your heart. Mm-hmm. And that's Thank beautiful. You. And it's, it's very, very hard to diagnose something like this when you're, you're, you're mm-hmm. You've got tunnel vision. You, yep. It's hard to You're see it close. from the outside
2: yeah. in. Mm-hmm. Yes. How did the healing start? When, so she's, high school years are tough, then what?
5: <laughs> well, she was actually out on the streets. We've advanced this forward. And, uh, but there was a, an ex-drug addict that she'd befriended at our church, and he kept tabs on her. And he knew she was spiraling really down far and he called us one night and said we're going to have a come to jesus talk with renee mm-hmm. so we want you to guys to be praying and we we said fine great and so we were praying and in a couple of days he called us says we've got renee and uh, just keep praying because they were committed to get her into treatment
2: wow what a friend
5: yes and so it was this small community from our church that did this like intervention mm-hmm. and she was at a point she partied real hard the night before and that's where she carved the things in her arm and when they took her to the detox, uh, or the treatment center, they wouldn't take her because she had fresh wounds and she wasn't detoxed. So they said, bring her back in five days. And so they took her for five days and kept her safe. Wow. Did fun things, did church, did prayer, did Bible studies, did-
7: Magic basketball concerts
2: games. Concerts and Boy, basketball talk games. About a great friend. Concerts. Yeah. Yeah. They just then, loved her. And
5: then took her. Uh, to the treatment center thank
2: goodness she had that christian community around you yes, mm-hmm. yes yeah so then she went to the treatment center and what had she carved in her arm i didn't see that in the movie trailer
5: well it was f up
2: oh. how she felt about herself about what she she Filt. felt that she mm-hmm. had even though some of these things were out of her control that had happened to her mentally the way she was feeling like mm-hmm. you see the sensory issues that she was overly influenced and so this blog then you start so she gets into treatment right. how, how's she doing now She's doing well, very well. She's yeah. 30 well,
7: years old today, wow. and she's the healthiest place she's ever been, um, oh, that's wonderful. working her recovery, counseling. She's yeah. been fully reconciled mm-hmm. to our style with our family for quite some time. Um, and actually, this would have been her second rehab right out of high school. She crashed and burned several times um, that summer when she would be drinking heavily or on drugs, and she'd be taken advantage of by a guy. Mm. And she would feel so horrible she'd cut herself up severely and end up in the hospital mm. and that happened several times not too far apart Ugh. and so her friends were all going to college and we were helping her find a rehab yeah and, and she had the s- the second
2: time when the when the friends had helped her is the time that it stuck yes. and then you start this blog and again give people the blog because I think a lot of parents can relate
7: mm. It's at HopeForHurtingParents.com. And they can also sign up for a free email subscription. They can choose how often they want to get it. They're just words of hope, encouragement, and comfort. Scripture, what a great prayer. community you've started because yes. you obviously
2: didn't have that kind of community at your fingertips on your computer. So wonderful that you have that now. Here she is 30, but you still feel a calling to help other parents through oh, this yes. difficult time. So Hope for Hurting Parents. And the movie, give us the name of the movie.
7: Oh, it's called To Write Love on
2: Her Arms. And oh, I. Nice. And it it's online yes, uh, because yes. I, I watched the trailer and yes. then saw the link to the movie as well. Well, thank you both so much for coming in. Uh, what a beautiful story of hope, you know, how something that seems like um, we'll never get better or a, a child lost, can, mm-hmm. you know, has come back to you. Yes. Thank you both. What a thank blessing. Great to be here. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Angie. Uh, Let's talk now to Adam Katz with the Doreen Katz Memorial Cancer Foundation. And Adam, you help the kids whose parents are dealing with cancer because oftentimes the kids don't get to be kids when their parents are sick, correct? That's it, exactly. Payton is 10, Rylan is eight, and they both would love to play a sport. They like basketball and baseball and soccer. For $100, you can sponsor one of these kids. How do we sponsor them for a sport this spring?
6: Uh, Give me a call and tell me which one you wanna do. The sports are baseball, basketball, and soccer. They love them all. They cost about $100 each. The mother in this situation is battling breast cancer, so it's just gotten a little too expensive for them at this point. And the children shouldn't miss out simply because the parents are struggling right now.
2: I agree. Peyton is 10. Rylan is 8. They shouldn't miss out on sports. Their mom dealing with breast cancer, they're already going through a hard time, and this would allow them to be kids. If you wanted to sponsor either of them, call Adam at 720-530-9482, 720-530-9482, or go to DoreenKatzMemorial.org.
5: Your next shopping trip could change the lives of some very special people right here in Colorado. When you shop at ARC thrift stores, you'll not only save money, but you'll also give back to our community by helping people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, just like these ARC ambassadors.
6: A lot of people, they have misconceptions about people with disabilities. A lot of them think that we can't do things that other people can do, and that's just not true. We can do what other people can do. It may take us a little bit more time to do it, but we can. We're just like any other human being. We have feelings and we have emotions, and if given the chance, we can shop. And I think that ARC has done a very good job at showing
5: that. I like it there and it helps me out to learn about reading off the labels and stuff. I like helping out different people. A lot of different people I help out. Find the ARC store near you at arcthrift.org.
6: It's a non and it's a great company to work for and a great place
5: to shop. And remember, every Saturday, you get 50% off most items in the store.
2: Welcome back to The Good News. Angie Austin here. Today we are raising awareness about COPD, which is the third leading cause of death. Joining us is Dr. Puntieri uh, and Dr. Tony Puntieri, and he is the program director in the Division of Lung Diseases with the NIH. Welcome, doctor. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. So third leading cause of death, and a lot of us don't understand what it is. So first explain COPD and how many people are affected.
8: Sure, uh, COPD is is the short form of chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. A mouthful there too, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's a it's a complex lung disease and it's a progressive lung disease. And what it does, uh, it, it keeps going and it, it basically ends up taking your breath away, literally. Mm. Uh, it is that, as you mentioned, the third leading cause of death. That. that means that in the United States, it kills more than 145,000 people a year these days which is a staggering amount, and it affects uh, more than 16 million Americans. We think uh, 16 have been diagnosed, and we think millions more have the disease but do not know about it All right, because so, the disease is sneaky.
2: Yeah. It well, comes
8: upon you slowly. That's that's the the, the, the the worst part
2: of it. Well, let's talk about what, what do you do if you have COPD? What should you do? Well, uh,
8: if you have COPD, but first of all, you need to know that you have yes. COPD. I would say that that's step number one. And, and that's why we, we uh, in collaboration with all the stakeholders involved in the disease, thought it was about time to come down with a blueprint that would empower people which have the disease or that are at a risk of developing the disease to come out in front of their doctor and bring the topic for discussion. And at the same time, we also knew that the doctors are not ready to have this dialogue. And so one of the goals of the COPD National Action Plan that we just launched this past May is to help the healthcare provider to to deliver the quality of care and to start the conversation that the COPD patients need.
2: So you've got the action plan. It was just developed in May. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about it, um, you know, who who developed it, and if there's, you know, more that's going to be added into this, uh, like the next stage of the uh, COPD National Action Plan? Sure. Sure. Uh, We just released it,
8: but it it took the work of almost two years uh, to come out with it. And uh, this was prompted by by a request from Congress and to NIH, to the National Institutes of Health, and uh, to the CDC, the Center for Disease Control. Mm -hmm. We worked together and gathered uh, uh, everybody that was interested in the diseases, starting with the patients, which are uh, one of the fundamental points of the plan. Mm -hmm. Uh, Clearly, the plan is not Top down, it's it's coming from the base, and it reflects the needs of the patients, their caregivers. This this is, as you understood, a, a, a disease that takes a big toll on, on the patients, but also on their families uh, because uh, of, of its progression. Because of the progression in ability, the fact that the patients get more and more isolated uh, under a societal point of view, and uh, of its economical cost. Uh, the, the, those amounts, in terms of deaths and uh, people affected, reflect also a staggering total cost of about $50 billion in Good. 2010.
2: You mentioned the isolation. Is that because it's more difficult to go out and do things because the breathing is uh, compromised and they're weak? Correct. Correct. Uh, Weaker is is uh, definitely
8: one one good word for that. Uh, what happens is that it's so slow that that progressively people reduce their activity uh, not really realizing that so they think it's just oh it's because I'm getting old again stupid affects more people in 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 their uh, 40s are above their 40s mm-hmm. and so uh, uh, of course they reduce their activity maybe they take less like, walks maybe they they, they play less golf. Uh, and on, on the other side, uh, it, it can be so impairing that at a certain point, they cannot even uh, take care of themselves. They cannot do a house chores. They cannot, they cannot even bathe on, on their own. That's why then there is a reflection on who's going to help them with, with the
2: disease. Or if people want to get more information or get involved, how do they do so? Well, uh, uh,
8: we we have a a, a wonderful website, uh, and uh, we meaning NIH, and uh, the website is copd.nih.gov, dot dot g o v. Again, copd.nih.gov, dot g o v. And uh, here, not only you can find uh, the plan, you can download it, you can print it. But there is also plenty of material about the disease, links to other sites that, that explain the terminology that gives you uh, a quick study uh, um, uh, ways of, 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 of learning about it
2: and, and things you can do about it. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, doctor. A lot of good information. Thank you. Thank you, Angie.
0: Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at angieaustinradio.com.
1: With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
1: Sorry,
6: sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
0: No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry.